Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Run lean and run fast is our topic for this episode. Body composition is important for a runner. High body fat and low lean muscle could result in slow, sluggish running. However, on the flip side, low body fat may result in injury, illness and muscle breakdown. So in this episode, we're talking dietary and training approaches to attaining optimal body composition. And we're also identifying factors influencing the ability to achieve an ideal body composition. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Club. Hi everybody, Uh, welcome to today's episode. I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen. And uh, as ever, we're going to start with um, just giving you a little bit of an overview of the topic today and giving you some insights into um, our personal experiences. So hi, Karen. How are you today? I'm fine. Thanks, Aileen. Looking forward to um, our conversation as always. Brilliant. So today we're talking about body composition, which is um, a topic close to my heart and I'm sure to everybody else's. We're always striving to... um, improve our body composition. So we thought that we'd start just by having a little chat about our own challenges. So Karen, have you had any uh, body composition challenges over the years or currently? Yes, well, I would say actually, Aileen, it's more more currently. I'm just finding with with being in the still in the midst of of COVID nineteen, sort of starting to come out of the the other end now. We are, but sort of over the past ten weeks, I've I've been really struggling. You know, I'm still doing my exercise, I'm still eating well, but I still I seem to be putting some weight on, some body fat on around the middle, that usual sort of area and the tops of my legs and I've really been trying to analyze why this is happening uh, because like I say I'm still eating well and um, and sort of exercising and I think there's two key areas I think I'm still eating well but I'm eating more you know the, the whole family is at home so it's three meals a day and maybe the extra odd glass of wine and that sort of thing I think accumulatively mm. has made a difference but also another factor I think Alien is the lack of just 
general activity. You know, that incidental activity has has been shown in research to be really important for overall um, fitness and and body composition. I think I'm 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 seeing that for myself now. Just the importance of it because I do my exercise, but then I'm sitting for the rest of the day in front of the computer and mm. talking to you and working with you and things like that. And it's it's just um, it's just sort of I'm not getting up and moving around and popping yeah. out to do this. So. Yeah, I think uh, lots of people will identify that. I've I've heard of people talking about the COVID-10, which means that the 10 pounds you've put on during lockdown mm. or the COVID stone. And uh, and I think, yeah, I, I found the first two or three weeks I was definitely eating more, but I think that was a bit stress-related. And I can't even say it was stress-related in that I was going for junk food, but I was just eating more. And I was like, mm. what's going on here? I'm just, my appetite's gone through the roof. And then the things like you say, the the socializing online, you know, you find yourself having a glass of wine with people while you're having a Zoom call that you probably wouldn't normally do during the week. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, it's good to share that because I think a lot of people will be feeling um, that kind of way. And also the activity, you're quite right, you know, having this block of time that you can go outside and do your exercise and then you may be not doing the walking about in between mm. times. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, how about yeah. you, Eileen? Have you? Yeah, well, my, oh, my, I have a lifelong uh, challenge with managing body composition. Um, you know, my weight has always been um, a bit of a, a, an issue for me over the years. Um, in the last sort of um, probably 10, 15 years, I really thought I'd mastered it and that I was doing really, really well with body composition. And, um, you know, that sort of coincided with me training to be a nutritional therapist so as you would imagine I learned a lot um but then more recently you know hitting the menopause and um going through some changes it's definitely um been more of an issue for me um so yeah it is a, a topic very close to my heart and I think um you know we'll share a few things as we go along I'm sure and uh, they'll probably resonate with everybody who's listening because I, th I think most people are always uh, looking to make the best of themselves for their running but also just from you know a well-being and a self-esteem point of view I think Absolutely. it's important too. Mm. okay so the topic of today's episode is run lean run fast and um, you know as ever it's a huge huge area so we thought that we'd outline three main areas of discussion today um, so the, the key areas that we're going to um, talk about are um, the factors influencing people's ability to attain that optimal body uh, weight and composition for running, uh, the dietary and training approaches that uh, we both um, apply with our clients, and also thinking about the benefits and the risks of achieving an ideal body composition. So, you know, we always think about the good things, but there potentially are some risks as well. So, yeah, as I said, you know, to begin with, really, we we all want to improve our running ability and there's no doubt about it you know the lighter you are um the easier it is to run and the more enjoyable it is to run and um having the ideal body weight and body composition is a key part of that um so i, I know we we both have clients coming to us with all sorts of different um you know starting points and different challenges um, but, you know, the main thing that I suppose we're recommending for runners is that you have um, 
you know, the optimal body composition, which would be a lower fat ratio um, and more lean muscle mass. So that's sort of the, the what the, what we're aspiring to do. Um, it's not always about being overweight. Um, you know, some people um, aren't overweight, um, but they still would benefit from having a more optimal body composition. Um, and some people are underweight as well, and, and they would benefit from changing their body composition. And so, as I say, people come in at different um, stages uh, of their um, journey with regards to body composition, and, and we can help them in various different ways. Um, so the, the things that I think we could start with talking about, Karen, would be genetics and the environmental factors that affect your body composition. Um, so, you know, those being things like energy intake, the macronutrient composition, um, your appetite and your training. So, Karen, would you just like to give us a quick overview about how you feel genetics play a role? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. I think it is important to say that genetics do play a part in an individual's body composition. Um, but however, for us as nutritional therapists, we would be really focusing on the nutrition and their lifestyle aspects linked to that body composition and what it is that we're trying to achieve. And I think within that, it's about us having to manage clients' expectations because of the genetic factor there and the genetic influence. So, for example, you know, um, potentially some of us are not going to have Paula Radcliffe's genetics or her physique. So it's about managing managing that and, and making and supporting our clients in achieving their potential and, the, and looking at their goals and their achievements rather than somebody else's achievements. Yeah, I think that's a really crucial thing. You know, you can't, we can't transform ourselves into something completely different. But what we can do is we've got our, our body that we live in and we can make the absolute best of that. Mm. And, and as, um, as nutritional therapists, we know a little bit about epigenetics. And that's where um, the environment that you live in and the lifestyle that you have affect how your genes are expressed. So that means that you may have a gene uh, that you're, you know, means you're predisposed towards something. But if you manage the environment, and you manage your lifestyle, then um, you can influence how that's expressed. So for instance, I know there are a lot of um, genetic uh, sports profile tests around and, you know, both you and I have both done some ourselves and, and it's something that we might use occasionally with clients. So I know that I've got the FTO gene, which means I'm predisposed to gain fat. So that wasn't, that wasn't a surprise to me, you know, because I already knew that. Um, but it did sort of like, it just sort of helped me answer some questions really. And it makes me realize that if I do, um, you know, carefully manage how I eat and how I exercise, then I don't have to express that gene to be overweight. It can be influenced. And I think that's a really important thing for everybody to think about. It's not like, well, all of my family's always been like this, or this genetic profile tells me this. So I've got to be like that. You don't have to be. You can uh, more than often than not influence what's going on. Um, so that's just a little bit of a background into uh, what we think about genetics regarding body composition. Um, 
But what about some of the environmental factors, Karen, like diet and lifestyle? What would you um, have to say about that? Yeah, well, I think the first thing I would say there, Aileen, is it's it's about energy intake at the end of the day, sort of looking at negative energy balance in a way being required for the weight loss. So we speak about energy in versus energy out. And, and it needs to be in a negative balance for um, weight loss to, to occur. Um, and this can be achieved by reducing the amount of food that we eat. It can also be about um, increasing the output, so increasing the amount of exercise, or it could be a combination of both, which is how it tends to be mostly, definitely the way I work with my clients. So, so as you can see, diet and exercise is really key. Mm, it is. And, you know, there's a lot of conversations around that. I'm sure that we could have about the, the energy balance, but, and I do get where you're coming from. Um, but we all know that a calorie isn't just a calorie. You know, food is information and has lots of different functions. So it's really important that we think about where we're getting our energy. When we talk about energy, I suppose we're talking about calories, really. But both you and I tend to ban that word from our, yes. our vocabulary, don't we? So, um, you know, you've got to think about the food you're consuming. Um, and are you getting the, as one of my colleagues would say, you know, a lot of bang for your buck. So if you're eating something, what all are all the different things it's doing for you? And that can have a big influence on your metabolism as well as lots of other functions. Um, so, so yeah, we've got to think about the nutrient value of food, uh, for overall health. Um, and I always think it's really difficult to overeat nutritionally dense food, um, because it's so nourishing and so, um, you know, it fills you so well that you almost self-regulate. You can't overeat really, really healthy food, whereas you can overeat the junk food and the sugars and mm. the things like that. Um, so I, I particularly discourage people from calorie counting and I focus on managing food intake with portion sizes and timings of meals. Um, and then it, it moves people away from being over obsessed about calories because I always think the danger with calorie counting is that you're choosing food by numbers rather than what it potentially can do for you um, nutritionally and from a health point of view. Yeah, I would totally agree with all of that, Aileen. And, you know, and, and I'm quite often having conversations with my clients about the quality of the food, about making the changes and, and about the weight loss. But it, it's, it's what foods that they are choosing. Um, and, and it's about educating our clients, I think, so that they understand the importance of that food quality, nutrient density of the foods. And, and I think that that helps to um, encourage them to make the changes in their eating patterns and their food choices. Um, I also think it's about um, the macronutrient composition as well. And what I mean by that is about the protein, the carbohydrates, the, the fats and how and when and what proportions it is consumed to, um, to, to have a supportive effect on body composition. So, for example, research has shown that a, a high fat diet and low carbohydrate diet can actually increase fat storage even when in energy balance. So they're taking in the right amount of calories for the want of a better word. So we speak about energy. Um, 
but that it's a high fat, low calorie diet, carbohydrate diet. And that is shown to, um, to, to have an effect on body composition, whereas a high carbohydrate, low fat diet has shown to have no change in body com- composition, even when energy balance is still maintained. So, so, and we speak a lot about macronutrient composition in our podcasts and our social media posts, um, it, because it is so important for fat loss, but also for gaining lean muscle and, and for overall running performance. So that composition of the macronutrients, as you can see here, is, is really important. Yeah, it's very influential. Um, so Karen, when you were talking about the macronutrient composition, what does that mean and how would people apply that with their food plans? Yeah, so, so looking at that, what I mean is how much of each of the macronutrients, so how much carbohydrates, protein, fats, um, are, are, are needed, um, to, to sort of support body composition. So, and, um, this has got to be really individualized clearly, um, and personalized for people. Um, so, but, but if we were looking at it from a general terms, um, to reduce body fat, we're looking at, um, focusing on managing the fat intake, keeping the protein high and the carbohydrate intake lower on non-training days, but adjusting that strategically on training day. So it's about adjusting the carbohydrates up and down, depending on whether it's a training day or non-training day. But as, as, as well as, as that, it, the, the concept of the high protein um, is also supportive for muscle building. So as well as body composition overall and that fat loss, it's also going to support that muscle, that muscle gain. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a really um, interesting way of looking at it. And um, just from my personal point of view, I, I was thinking about the managing fat intake because that's one of the things that I've had to learn to do. And often people do find themselves, they, they move away from carbohydrates and they're filling themselves up with protein and fats. And often they think the protein foods, it's just protein, but a lot of protein's got fat in it as well. You know, so if you're eating the eggs and the oily fish and avocados mm. and all of those kind of things, it's very easy to be eating a very healthy food plan, but actually quite a high fat food plan. Um, so um, that's just a little uh, tip there for anybody if they're thinking about it. The way I do it, and I'm not saying I do this every day, but when I'm, I'm being particularly focused on it, I'll just say to myself, well, I can only have one um, healthy fat meal a day. So if I have eggs, then my other protein sources are lean. Um, and if I have oily fish, that would be the day I would choose not to have eggs for breakfast. So that's the way I sort of manage that angle. Um, and my, my experience, um, with, um, carbohydrate is I, I was on a very low carbohydrate diet for quite a long time and it did really help my body composition. Um, and I remember uh, a few years ago being almost like scared to eat carbohydrates um, because I was worried that it was going to um, create weight gain. But I needed to do it because I needed the energy to run. Um, so I've learned, you know, how to use them strategically, as you say. And mm. um, but I do think that you know some people who may be a bit like me, who are carbohydrate sensitive, you know, maybe have a predisposition towards insulin resistance um, and weight gain that, that 
they have to be very careful about how they manage the carbohydrates. And that's where this personalization comes in. Um, so if they were just to sort of follow that research paper that you said that it's like, if I have a high carbohydrate, uh, low fat diet, that's fine. It probably wouldn't work for them, whereas it might work mm. for other people. So that's where the personalization, I think, is really, really key. Um, so, um, why don't we talk about the female factors now, Karen? Because there are quite a lot of female factors related to, uh, body composition. Um, mm. so the first one that's coming that will come to mind, and I think it is one that most, um, women of a certain age will tell you that it bothers them is, you know, moving into sort of the perimenopause and the menopause, um, stages of life. Um, and we, we know that the menopause tends to slow down the resting metabolic rate and that's linked to a reduced uh, level of estrogen and that can affect, um, energy balance and lead to weight gain. And I, I remember, Karen, when we were at college, we did a, an assignment on the menopause and one of the research papers I found, which was a real light bulb moment to me, was that finding out that um, just to have a menstrual cycle, you probably use about 100 to 120 calories a day without even, that's just for everything to work. And so yes. when you stop having a menstrual cycle, if you aren't um, eating, uh, if you're eating the same amount and you're exercising the same amount, but you're actually not needing that same energy for your bodily functions, that's maybe one of the reasons that you're more prone to weight gain. So yeah. Um, and the other sort of link with the, um, with the menopause is that, um, fat cells also, um, produce, um, estrogen, um, as well as the adrenal gland. So mostly the estrogen is coming from your ovaries, but there are some, um, other alternatives that the body has. So the body will use fat and the body will also, um, make estrogen from the adrenals. So that might be another reason, you know, we, we, the body's not getting the estrogen from the ovary. So, okay, we'll hang on to the fat so we can make some estrogen. Um, so that, that's just another link, uh, to be considering. Um, and then with the adrenals, I suppose the other angle is, um, you know, the adrenals are responsible for managing the stress hormones. Um, and so if they're, if you're in a stress situation and often, you know, when women particularly get to middle age, They've got teenage children. They've got elderly parents. They're probably in a full-time um, job role. They're juggling a lot of balls. They can be under a lot of stress. So the body is prioritizing making stress hormones over and above making the things like the sex hormones, the estrogen and things like that. And again, that can have a, a knock-on effect. So th those yeah. are the two, the two biggies. Um, what other female factors have, have you um, got to share with us, Karen? Yeah, well, ones I would think about is um, sort of ge the general trend that that females tend to be more conscious of their weight than men. So, um, so this is an area that I find I'm I'm working more with females regarding body composition than men. Within sport, I suppose there is men are very much geared towards body composition as well. But regarding body composition as a weight loss strategy, um, it's it seems to be more the the, the women that are coming along for those reasons. Mm. And, um, and also I think linked into the fact that women are, are more body conscious and want to lose weight and have that 
perfect look, although there's no perfect look, um, is that they're at greater risk of falling into um, this and, and experience the symptoms and conditions related to red S. Now, we've spoken about red S um, in another episode um, uh, looking at overtraining sy syndrome. So this is the relative energy deficiency in sports. So this is when energy um, deficiency is so great just um link um as opposed to the amount of training that they're doing that that they start to have dent it starts to have detrimental effects so women are at greater risk of that um but also i think it's about managing a client's expectations and we spoke about this earlier regarding body co composition i think that's a key area for us as practitioners to be working with our clients educating our clients and having a discussion around this so that that they're their expectations are realistic. And I think that, again, this is geared more towards the women, uh, but also some men, um, but, but mostly women in that middle age and old age. You know, you were saying, Aileen, there about how the fat cells produce estrogen. So potentially to a, an extent, we will naturally put on a little bit of weight um, mm -hmm. in menopause because we're trying to um, encourage the production of estrogen. So it's about managing all these these um, life stage events alongside what we can do to maintain a good body composition. And yeah. I think the, the oh, sorry, Eileen. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's the last thing that, um, that I would say here is that um, as we get older, it is more difficult to lose weight. We tend to put weight on more more easily, or it appears that way certainly sometimes, um, but it becomes more difficult to lose the weight. And that might again be linked to that reduced um, resting metabolic rate that you were speaking about, Aileen. So, um, so some key female factors, I think, to, to be considering regarding body composition. Yeah. And a lot of women do say that as they get older, it's just like really, they get stuck with their, with their, um, body composition. They just feel it, it won't change. Um, but it can change. You've just got to be, um, you know, quite diligent and consistent with it. So, so let's um, talk about some of the dietary and training approaches to support um, body composition. So just before we get into that, I'm just thinking it's really important to point out that if you are, um, you know, your goal is to um, change your body composition and that's the outcome that you're really looking for, it's best to really approach it as a something that is done gradually. I know we always want a magic bullet and we all want it to happen very, very quickly. Um, but realistically, we all know that um, we need to take our time, uh, make the changes consistently, be able to sustain it um, and, you know, take it step by step. So as Karen was saying earlier, you know, there's no doubt about it. There is a reduction in energy intake would be a recommended approach. Um, but it, that's a sort of very simplistic approach and there's probably more to it than just that. Um, so it's, we certainly wouldn't advocate a quick fix diet. Um, and everything's going to take time to have that difference. So following an individualized nutrition plan, um, would help you not just consider your body composition goals, but also any other underlying conditions or symptoms or sensitivities that you might have 
um, and that will minimise, you know, the the risk of um, exacerbating any health conditions or uh, triggering illnesses or maybe even uh, triggering um, some kind of disordered eating. So it's really important to think of yourself as a whole and uh, not just think about reducing um, body composition or, or weight only at, to the detriment of everything else. So, Karen, let's find out what you do. What do you do with your clients and, and what are the dietary approaches for a runner that you would recommend? Yeah, well, it would depend on their goal at the end of the day. Aileen, is it weight loss they're looking for? Is it weight gain they're looking for? Or is it is it muscle gain or fat loss? We know these clearly ha- are going to have slightly different approaches to them. But quite often, it's a combination of them. For example, quite often, it's fat loss and lean muscle gain that my clients are looking for because I'm working mostly with runners. Uh, but again, it does depend the sport as well. And um, so, so, and again, my approach is, it goes back to the, the macronutrient composition and using that strategically with my clients. Um, and, and, and like we were saying earlier, um, Aileen, it's, it's as much as about the the composition of the foods it's about the quality of the food choices that that they're making uh you know they need to be nutrient dense um but also um it's about optimizing the micronutrient content too and again we speak about micronutrients in another another episode and and in in sports Generally, it is about the macros, but the micros really are as important because we need them to support the macros. So that is another education point, I think, when when having a discussion with, with a client. Yeah, I often uh, talk about the body being a series of chemical equations and, you know, you need all of these different vitamins and minerals as well as the macronutrients to make the body work optimally. And if you're running low on some of them, you'll still run, but are you just not going to get the best results? So that's why, you know, as you say, if you've got everything um, that you need, your body's going to do a better job. Um, so so yeah. could we delve in a little bit more, Karen, about the kind of things that you discuss with your clients with regards to body composition management? Yeah. Yeah. So if we were to look at, say, for example, a client who was looking for fat loss um, and lean muscle mass building, that was their, their goal, then I do tend to, and I don't know if you use this as well, Elaine, I tend to use a body composition um, machine. The one I use is Tanita. And, and, and it's quite good because it, we can use it as a, as a tool to monitor the client's progress. And, um, and also as, um, as we mentioned above, as I was saying before, I try and, um, reduce my clients overall energy intake, um, so that, and, and look at that energy out versus the energy in. But again, this is really individual. It's about educating them. Um, and like you were saying, you do with your clients, it's about educating them on the gradual weight loss. Um, so, uh, so in a way that they're going to be able to maintain the changes and not feel deprived or constantly hungry, which can quite often happen with, with these, um, 
what what I would class as quick fix diets. Mm. Um, there's there's like food groups are missing. It, 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 you're replacing food with drinks, and and there's this feeling of deprivation and overall hunger. So and so so by doing it in a, a more natural and slow way, it's a it's sustaining health and also st- sustaining energy for the performance for your running for your training, which is really really key. Um, and, and I I tend to base their daily nutrition around the the whole foods. Mm-hmm. The high amount of the of plant foods to ensure they're getting the micronutrients in, but also looking at the quality meat sources to maintain their protein and their essential fats. Um, and like I've said, with some people, we discuss the energy in versus energy out. What do we need to do with the training alongside the nutrition? And um, and sort of looking at regarding energy out. What's the best approach, um, uh, training wise to support this alongside their, their running? Are there other approaches? So, for example, using HIIT training, so the high impact interval training, um, strength and resistance training, but also sort of doing longer, slow, steady runs to try and optimize that fat burning. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good good approach, I think. To when we're, when we're talking about energy intake, we're just talking about what you're eating. Um, but as we said earlier, we don't try not to talk about calories, so that we get people mm-hmm. moving away from that calorie talk. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's um, and I, I use a Tanita yeah. machine too. I think it's really useful for some people. Some people don't want to know. Um, it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I get some people who'll say. You can wait, you can measure me and weigh me, but don't tell me what it is. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then I'll get yeah. other people that are really motivated by the numbers. So, um, you know, mm. but I, what I find really useful about doing that is it, it gets people moving away from thinking about weight and more about what actually your body is made up of. Um, rather yeah. than, but sometimes I just use a tape measure as well. Um, and that can be mm. quite a powerful tool. Um, because yeah. often the weight doesn't change but the body shape does and the body shape is changing because your body composition is changing um so yeah. it doesn't always have to be the high tech stuff that can can work yeah absolutely and what else do you do with your clients Aileen, when they come looking for weight loss or fat loss yeah well I think that um, there's a variety of challenges that people have um so some of the challenges are uh, I, I call it one of them is, is resistant weight loss. So they're, they're the people that they're doing everything possible, but nothing's changing. So they're eating really healthily um, and they're going to the gym and they're running and they're doing lots of different, they might be doing yoga, you know, they're doing all these wonderful things, but their weight is just stuck. And um, often that's underpinned by things like a history of yo-yo dieting, um, it can be that they're in that perimenopause, menopause or even postmenopause phase, you know, that all of these different phases have different challenges. Um, there can be hormonal challenges at all ages. I often get younger women, you know, in their 20s and 30s that have got hormonal challenges. And, you know, that can be for a variety of reasons. It can be um, related to insulin resistance or it can be related to the contraceptive that they're taking. Um, and then the, the other sort of angle is, um, you know, that meta- what I call metabolic flexibility. And this is really a little bit related to 
yo-yo dieting and also under eating. I get a lot of people that really are under eating and it's because they have gone through lots of different diet plans. I mean, sometimes I can't believe how many times, you know, they, they've done everything. Mm. <laughs> Slimmer's World, Cambridge World, Lighter Life, you, you name it, they've done it. <laughs> and um, and every time they take something else out of their food plan and it just almost means that they're running on empty. Um, so with those sorts of people, uh, what I try to do is really build them back up again. And we talk about this energy requirement and the um, resting metabolic rate, what do they actually require? And um, I gradually increase what they're eating to give them the confidence that they're not actually going to put on weight by eating what they need to eat. And then from there, I'll move on to the next stage. And the other angle, I mean, I tend to call that like a foundational stage. The other type of person that tends to come to me is somebody who really uh, does need to just tidy up their whole food plan. So, um, you know, we're looking at taking out the processed food, the junk food, the sugar, um, the too much alcohol and introducing things, healthier habits and looking at their blood sugar balance, um, managing the macronutrients, usually just with a plate balance idea so that it's not too complicated. Very similar to the plate balance approach we use in the nutrition zone. Um, and, and then, um, I focus on their reducing their visceral fat rating first. So uh, I'm sure we've mentioned this in previous episodes. Um, the visceral fat is the fat around the middle. So that's the metabolically active fat. Um, and that is really influenced by what you eat. And you can get really good improvements there. And, and sometimes people that aren't overweight also have a high visceral fat rating. So that's an interesting um, angle to look at as well. Um, so that's a, the sort of starting point. It's like either getting them to be eating enough or if they're already eating enough, it's getting them to have that nutrient dense food rather than the, the rubbish food. And then depending on their situation, I might move into a, a nutritional deep, what I call a nutritional detox. And that's just really to reduce the toxic load and support the liver and the digestive system. Um, there's a lot of toxins stored in people in fat. And so sometimes if you, if your toxic load is high and you've, you've been, you know, over consuming lots of stuff, um, you, your body doesn't want to let go of the fat because your liver and digestive system can't deal with getting rid of the toxins. So the, the concept there is if you spring clean your liver and your digestive system, then your fat cells will say, okay, there's capacity. I can let go of some of this fat. And that can, again, what I find with that is it really helps sort of um, just trigger the next stage. I think um, that is really helpful and people can just find a benefit and suddenly they're thinking, wow, I feel fantastic. Got more energy um, and I'm motivated to keep going with with the food plan um so those are my sort of starting points karen uh, mm. i think of... that's a really nice way of putting it you know when you're mm. speaking about um supporting the digestive system and the liver and and uh, helping them be optimal and then the fat cells say okay i can let go now and they'll let go of the toxins mm. that are stored in there yeah. and then get flushed through and then weight weight naturally will will be removed. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. Actually, I like that. <laughs> so, so Aileen, if we were to sort of look at the female factors again before we sort of move on to 
Let me move on to the next question. Um, what would you say are the key female factors from from this section, from this question? Um, well, I think that, um, you know, it's all the hormonally based um, issues that we talked about. So we talked about um, the menopause and perimenopause. We didn't actually mention menstruation and the fact that, um, you know, we, we for the women that are still having menstrual cycles, um, you, you have a higher energy requirement. So you might be have this drive to increase the amount of food you're eating during that that time of the month. Um, so being careful about how you do that. And, you know, I would encourage people to eat the right sort of carbohydrates and the right sort of foods, but accept that maybe you do need a little bit more at that time of the month. Um, obviously you've got to take care around, uh, pregnancy, um, you know, and, and how you, you train there. And then as we've said, you know, there's the menopause and thinking about, you know, naturally you're going to require less energy, less food. Um, and, or you need to balance your energy intake with your energy output. Um, because if you, if you don't manage that, then you may tend to gain weight. And as you said quite, um, well, Carol, I thought it was, it was a good point to say to people, it's our natural way is to gain a little bit more weight, a little bit more fat around the middle to help manage our hormones and, and estrogen levels. But that doesn't mean that you have to be three stone overweight you know <laughs> we've got to be you know we've got to be realistic here we don't have to have that we just need a little mm -hmm. bit um mm -hmm. so uh so yeah that would be my roundup of the female factors so thinking about um you know just what we've talked about so far we've talked about genetics we've talked about the environmental factors affecting body composition uh we've covered a few strategies for food plan and training um, you know, there's many more and I, you know, we'll no doubt cover them in future episodes. Um, so we're, we're looking at, um, how you can help yourself increase your, uh, muscle mass and whilst reduce your fat percentage. Uh, and also just stressing that a personalized approach is best. So what, you know, miracle food plan has worked for your best friend probably won't work for you. So, you know, Bear, bear that in mind when you, you're making plans. Okay, so shall we have just a very quick advert break as usual, just for me to tell mm -hmm. you a little bit about um, what Karen and I do. So um, you, as you may know, um, our business is the Runners Health Hub and, and the Runners Health Hub is supporting us in uh, creating the podcast um, on a, a weekly basis. Um, and that's where we offer a range of services to help you be a fitter, faster and stronger runner. And um, our, our online program there is in the, the runner's nutrition zone. And um, we've got an online program there. And we also have lots of short videos, recipes and downloads. And if you become a member there, you can also get invitations to our uh, live sessions and we'll we'll give you tips on how you can put easy nutrition into practice so whilst it's an online program we are there to support you live too and it's a really good way to just cement um, all the things that you're learning from the podcast and from from our facebook group so we'd really love to um, ask you just to take a look at it and see what you think and if it's for you um, please join us. So if you, if you're interested, you can find all the details at our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. And that's hub, H-U-B, 
Um, somebody told us that it sounded like club, so I'm just going to spell it out. So it's Runners Health Hub, H-U-B, and I look forward to seeing you there. Okay, so um, just to sort of talk, finalize on our third discussion topic, because we did say we were going to talk about three things, Karen. So the third thing yeah. we were going to talk about was the benefits and the risks of striving for an ideal body composition. Um, so, Karen, can you tell us about a few of the benefits that are linked to running performance and sport? Yes, absolutely. So I think that um, the benefits of um, striving to, for, for a, an appropriate um, body composition is that it, you're going to feel lighter, therefore hopefully faster as a runner. So that's going to clearly support performance and help increase your performance. And also, I think the other benefits of whether it be reducing body fat or increasing muscle mass is going to really support you and help reduce the risk of injury and illness uh, from your sport, but just generally, and, and also help with quicker recovery from each session, especially if you're doing multiple sessions or you're a distance runner, then um, sort of being of an appropriate body composition is really going to help. That's going to be a great benefit. Mm -hmm. How about you, Aileen? What, have you got any ideas linked to running or general health really yeah i mean I, when you were talking about injury and illness i was thinking about you know the aches and pains that people sometimes have in their joints that you know often that can be you know if you're lighter um that's gonna make a big difference um i think from a general point of view um having a better body composition is likely to lead to having more um, energy and we all need energy for running as well as our day-to-day -day lives um, and I think there's lots of psychological and emotional gains. You know, we said it the right at the start, self-esteem usually goes up high if we're feeling body confident. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then also, you know, having, um, you know, a good body composition will support, um, hormonal health and blood sugar balance. And that's a sort of cornerstone to female health, I believe. Um, so it's, um, you, you tend to always with nutrition, um, it's like a web, it feeds out. So, you know, you, you, you might be focusing on one area, but you find that you actually get lots of benefits in other health areas that maybe you hadn't thought about, but suddenly everything's working better and you're feeling great. So, um, it, it's really important to always remember that. Um, yeah. so moving. I think that's so true, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it goes back to that more bang for your buck thing that one of my friends talk. Yes. Yes. So, yes. um, yeah. thinking about the risks now. Um, so yeah, that what's coming off the top of my head, Karen, is the dangers of losing weight too quickly. Um, and that might result in a reduced, um, resting metabolic rate. So that is a bit like most people have heard of the going into starvation mode, you know, so you, you lose a lot of weight and suddenly your body's saying, Oh, actually, I'm a bit worried that you're going to starve me. So I'll hang on to, um, the energy sources and, uh, and that can then slow you down from a metabolic point of view. And also it's just not very sustainable and it can lead to this rebound eating and, you know, potentially overeating or binge eating at times. Um, and then, you know, you might find yourself that you're on this yo-yo cycle of um, weight going up and down, which isn't really um, very helpful. Um, you know, and as, as we said earlier about 
energy. Um, you know, the risk is that if you're not eating enough to sustain your basic health, um, you're not going to be able to sustain your exercise and running either. Um, so that's going to, you know, take a hit. Um, there's some dangers related to body fat being too low. Um, so when we talked earlier about healthy fats, you know, and, and taking in healthy fats, we do need fat. So we're not uh, advocating a low fat diet. We're advocating a healthy, a healthy amount of fat in your diet because that's going to promote, um, making hormones and promote, um, making vitamin D as well. So if you are really, uh, have a very low body fat that that's going to have a negative effect um and i suppose the other one is, is thinking about muscle weight wasting so it, because the protein that you're taking in isn't being used um to build muscles and repair muscles it's being used for energy because that's what you know you you, you need because you've got you've got to use your energy before anything else gets gets sorted out in the body mm-hmm. haven't you so, so those would be my, um, sort of main risk, Karen. So what, what risks do you think there are with achieving this ideal body weight? Yes. Well, I alluded to it before, Aileen, but I would just stress again that sort of, that, that moving into the relative energy deficit syndrome, you know, that could, that could potentially happen and it could happen inadvertently. You know, people are just looking at, um, reducing weight for health reasons are maybe seeing some benefits from that. So just keep going. And so they're taking in less and less food and energy and they're increasing their, their over. It over increasing their training and there's a, the disparity there and that can lead to, like I say, inadvertently falling into this red S and that can lead to some key symptoms, including loss of menstruation. So an imbalance in the sex hormones, which can have a knock on effect and fertility and things like that, but also poor mineral, bone mineral density as well. That's some of the two of the key factors. There's lots of other symptoms, um, but those are two key symptoms that mm. um, and conditions that could occur. Now, and on top of that, and this could be linked to Red S, but also independent of it is compromised immune function. And then if there's compromised immune function, again, that could lead back to the stress that you spoke about, Aileen, and that imbalance and and the stress hormones, um, sort of suppressing the immune system, and that can potentially lead to risk of infection, but also inflammation over time. And and I think another area to be thinking about regarding body, sort of um, um, trying to achieve uh, maybe an unachievable body composition is sort of um, poor recovery, increased risk of injury again that I spoke about before. And this overall is going to reduce performance. So it's going to really impact performance as somebody who's trying to, to do these positive things to support performance can it can actually lead to reduced performance. So again, another reason to to take it slowly, be cautious and ensure that it's an individualized uh, nutrition plan and training plan that is put into place and not this one size fits all idea. Well, what a lot of information we've covered. Um, so it's been a long day. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, it was gone on a bit too much, but it is a, a big topic. 
Um, so just to round up, Karen, can I ask you just to sum up with the key takeaways from today? Yes, I will, Lillian, and I'll do it as quickly as I can. <laughs> so, so just looking at body composition is important for running performance. We That is well known that the sort of weight in, in proportion to height is really helpful and to be lean. Be mindful of what you're striving for, though, regarding body composition. Is it realistic and is it healthy? And I think the combination of a nutrition plan and exercise, and that's a mix of resistance and cardiovascular exercise, is important to achieve that body composition you're looking for. It's not one or the other, it's using them combined. And really think about macronutrient intake. And a general approach to that could be sort of um, thinking about healthy fat intake, optimal protein intake and a strategic use of carbohydrates in line with training. Remember to always assess the the benefits and the risks of striving for that ideal body composition in relation to your health and your running goals. And then finally, like we've said throughout, a personalised plan for you and your nutrition and your your, um, goals is what's best. Perfect. Thank you very much, Karen, for summing that up. Um, so uh, thanks again, and um, we hope to see you next time. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for women's changing bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.